Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo. Your Golden State Warriors, they escaped on a Saturday night, 117-115 with a win over the Lakers. I came into this game wondering how the Warriors would do after a couple losses, a couple back-to-back losses and lackluster efforts. And they started off okay. You know, they built up to a 15-point lead, but overall, they just seemed flat again. I was wondering how they would also look playing against a bigger lineup against Anthony Davis and potentially Dwight Howard, but Dwight Howard did not even play. On the rebounding end, the Warriors ended up out-rebounding the Lakers 50-48, to so that's solid. But again, the Warriors are missing Draymond Green, and I've been talking about this since Draymond went out with his calf slash back issue. It's like they miss his fire, they miss his leadership, they miss him orchestrating on offense, orchestrating on defense, his rebounding, his just attitude, his intimidation factor. And you can see with this team that like there's just nobody that other teams are fearing in the paint. After the Warriors got up, the Lakers started hitting shots. The Warriors' defense was falling apart here and there. And it went from being a game that the Warriors could control to one that the Lakers started taking advantage of. Nemanja Bialica, he's been catching a lot of flack from Warriors fans, from media all that stuff. And in this game, again, he didn't look good at all. He played 11 minutes, one for four from the line. He had one point, he had three assists, two boards, but he just isn't cutting it out there. You know, I get it. I get it right. Without Draymond, he has to do so much more than is asked of him. But if he can't give you anything and he just looks like a big zero out there, It's tough. It's tough, right? It's like he's the guy that if you want to find a center on the buyout market, he's the guy you move off from, and he hasn't done anything lately to prove that he should stick around. So, I mean, that's something you circle right then and there. I don't know what Steve Kerr could do to change things up a little bit, to get these guys a little bit more motivated, to get them ready and to sustain that for a whole game. And it felt like they weren't playing with urgency. You know, I get the attitude of we're confident in the guys that we have when we're healthy and everything, and we're just going to keep doing what we do, but, you know, get the guys motivated. No, he's not on the court with everyone, but after two lackluster showings, you got to figure out a way to keep dudes going, you know, to keep that fire on. I mean, the fire kind of came back for Clay because he got into it with Lakers rookie Austin Reeves, right? A little heated exchange and back and forth, whatever. Moving on to the positives of this game, it's like I will say that it is awesome to see Clay have his best game since coming back. And it is awesome that it seems like every week he has a new best game since he's been back. You know what I mean? And that just shows progress, confidence in his body, him getting in rhythm and him really getting familiar with the rest of the dudes that he's playing with and vice versa. So you love to see it. You know, this was his first game where he had a breakout, quote unquote, clay type quarter where, you know, he wasn't completely unconscious, but he hit some major, major big clutch shots. At the start of the game, he was just like everybody else. He was flat. 
He was cold. He was missing everything short. He had some defensive lapses where guys cut back door on him when he wasn't looking, when he was staring at the ball. But he made up for it, you know? And it's good to see that he can still do that. Like, he can hit those threes that are just so, so beautiful to see go in the basket. Clay played 30 minutes, his limit. He was 12 for 22, 5 for 9, 4 for 5 from the free throw line. He finally missed his first free throw since coming back. Plus 10, 33 points, led the team. Steph was only 7 for 17, 1 for 8 from 3. But, you know, he's doing more orchestrating, more running the offense with Draymond out. And he's not really hunting his shot as of late, you know. But that's the beauty of having Clay in the game these days. As I've said, he takes pressure off of Steph in terms of pulling defenders towards him, but then also he takes pressure off of Steph because he can hit those big shots. Andrew Wiggins ended up having a pretty good game. Again, all these guys started off a little iffy, but Wiggins ended up seven for 15. He had three for seven from three, plus seven, 19 points. And he hit that clutch three in the final couple minutes over LeBron where he... Got the pass on the baseline from Clay, dribbled back out. LeBron got switched onto him. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> He's going to just dribble this one out and put a move and take a shot. And he shot a three and it went in. And I will say, I was really surprised because let's face it, Andrew Wiggins has not been known to be like this clutch player who hits big shots right? As good as he's been this season, he hasn't had to do that so far. And that was big. They needed that. That was huge. And he waved off Clay, who was calling for the ball. He had Westbrook on him in the post. And then he went to the three-point line. And then Wiggins still didn't pass him the ball. And on that play, Wiggins, you know, was dribbling around. He put a move on LeBron. He went for the move. He dropped his left leg back like as if Wiggins was gonna go to his right he made LeBron James wiggle a little bit you know what I mean when he dropped his left foot like that and it opened up just enough space for Wiggins to hit that three and I was like dang okay is this is this who Wiggins is now so I love to see that and on a couple of Clay's big shots you could tell Andrew Wiggins was was pumped he had some fist pumps which I always love to see a Wiggins fist pump means that he is into it he's engaged and he is very much feeling this Warriors culture the one thing about Wiggins though man is like the dude has got to get better at the free throw line I talked about this a couple times in the last couple weeks he's shooting 67 percent from the free throw line he was two for five on the night And for a guy who shoots as well as he does from three, that's pretty unacceptable. And this is a game where those free throws mattered. And the Warriors were lucky because the Lakers were bricking free throws left and right too. So got away with that one. The Warriors were 25 of 34, 73.5%. The Lakers were 22 for 33 from the free throw line. 67.7%. And that's really bad. Wiggins should be able to hit those, man. There's going to be times when it's the playoffs, when it's, (laughs) when the spotlight is on you that you have to learn to hit those. And hopefully, hopefully he can shore that up a little bit more. He needs to get more dependable in that respect. And hopefully by next season, he's up back into the seventies for his career. He's 72.7% from the charity stripe. So 
it's kind of weird that he's dropped back a little bit, but hopefully when push comes to shove, he can start hitting those when it counts. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code TBPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 and over, minimum age and local requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN redline 1-800-889-9789 in connecticut call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in new york call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369 let's talk about jonathan kaminga all right <laughs> that guy it was awesome to see him on abc on primetime on the national stage do what he does best cut dunk, play with energy, play defense, scrap, all that stuff. He's still in the starting lineup. He played 25 minutes, was eight for 11, misses one three-pointer, two for three from the free throw line, nine boards, one block, 18 points. He looked great out there, brought what the Warriors needed. He had a couple amazing plays. I was curious how he would play against LeBron James. And it is crazy because we all know Jonathan Kaminga is a pretty strong guy for his age and his size. But then to see LeBron, you're just reminded again how huge LeBron is. But I thought Kaminga played well. He wasn't scared. And he had some really, really solid highlights. I would like to think the rest of the NBA and the basketball watching world knows who he is now. And now nah, he's not in the rising stars game, whatever, during All-Star Weekend. But who really cares? Who really cares? I'm pretty sure he doesn't. And very much so, he seems like one of those guys, if he did care, that he would use it as motivation. So all good. But to go back to the things I always talk about, getting the young guys and new guys acclimated to the bright lights, this was that, you know? This was great for Kaminga. Kaminga got that exposure to these kinds of moments, to these situations, to these games. And it's awesome to see that that kid loves, he loves the moment. He's not afraid of this. That's huge because guys who are like 19 years old can be afraid of this, but it looked like he wanted it and he wasn't backing down from anybody, whether it was LeBron, whether it was guarding AD on switches. So that's good to see, you know, all these little things are telltale signs about who Jonathan Kaminga is as a player and where he's tracking all positives, all positives. An exciting game, especially the fourth quarter. And these tight, close games, I mean, they're good for Andrew Wiggins, right? <laughs> it's good for him to experience hitting that big three-point shot. And the fact that it was a shot that he wanted. It wasn't one where Steph drove and Wiggins was in the corner and, and caught a kickout pass. It was one where he basically dribbled the shot clock down 
and was going one-on-one at LeBron James and put a move on him, then hit a three over his head. Those are all solid things. The Lakers got lucky at the end with that busted foul call on LeBron where Steph wrapped him up before he got the shot off, and then the refs gave LeBron three free throws. The fact that he got three free throws, I mean, it's like, geez, man, like, are you serious? (laughs) I respect LeBron for everything that he's done and how great of a player he is, but, like, come on. But the bottom line is LeBron does have a reputation. One of the flaws that's followed him is that he doesn't like to take end of game free throws, last second free throws. There've been a lot of games in his career where instead of driving to the basket, he will shoot a jumper. You know, he could just drive to the basket and potentially get fouled, but he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that because he doesn't want to take the free throws at the end of the game. And in this one, you see why (laughs) he got the three free throws. All he has to do is hit three in a row And the game is tied, but he clanks the first one. He hits the second, and then he intentionally misses the third. I was just actually explaining that to someone (laughs) watching this game earlier in the game. And then I was very appreciative of the fact that that scenario came up, which basically illustrated what I had said. I had hoped that the Warriors would bury the Lakers in this one to kind of just, you know, send the Lakers, who are now five games under 500, back down a downward spiral. But hey... Who knows, maybe this game helps the Lakers. Even though they didn't win, maybe they found something. Maybe they have some confidence, but we'll see. I'm not going to worry so much about what's going on in that house. Anyway, fun game, but stressful and exhausting in parts. But that is the life of being a sports fan, I suppose. The Warriors get the Clippers in LA on Valentine's Day on Monday. Then they get Denver at home on the 16th on Wednesday. And then it's the All-Star break. They don't play again until Thursday, February 24th at Portland. So it would be great if the Warriors could take a couple, you know, spin this into another mini winning streak and go into the All-Star break on a high note. So we shall see. I will wrap it up there. This has been another episode of the Warriors Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick Epino, E-P-I-N-O, or at Oakland Warriors. Check us out at OaklandWarriors.com, and be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen to the Warriors Podcast. It's produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. And if you're so inclined, please do leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And also say nice stuff about us in a review on Apple Podcasts. That would be hugely appreciated and hugely helpful. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time and go Dubs.